Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Furloughed. My name is Leonard Cochran and I'm joined with Stephen Otterstrom. And we're really excited to have uh, the opportunity to spend a little time uh, with you this morning and hopefully on many other mornings as well. This has been a goal for both Leonard and I to have an opportunity to share a podcast, to share some of our ideas with you. And uh, up until, well, probably last week, that was difficult to do because we had just too much on our plates. So fortunately or unfortunately, our calendars cleared up simultaneously when we both found ourselves on furlough. Uh, yes, <laughs> very much. Maybe a little clearer than we wanted those to be. However, <laughs> as often happens with life, it throws you a curveball, and that curveball comes with, at times, an opportunity, an opportunity to do maybe something that you had wanted to do uh, but not had the time or um, whatever other resource you didn't have uh, to get it done. So today we're going to try and do that. Now, Leonard and I have worked for many years in the training industry. And currently we work for um, a large hotel company. Uh, and like many who are having difficulties during this time have, have found ourselves in this, in this present situation. And we've worked in training. And well, maybe Leonard, you could tell us a little bit about what, what, what is it about training that uh, led us to this concept of having a podcast called Furlough? Absolutely, Steve. Sure. One of the things that both Steve and I recognize in the training world is sometimes the learning sticks and sometimes it doesn't. And so both he and I in discussion kind of realize how fascinated we are is what makes somebody change their behavior. Now that sounds very technical, very learning oriented, but think about yourself. If you've got any kids or you've been around kids at all, you recognize that hey, you can sell them something 10, 15 times and they never hear you, but suddenly the neighbor three doors down says, hey, let's do this. And your kid thinks it's it's brilliant idea. So what makes the idea sometimes stick, that whole concept of change? And uh, that, that's kind of the genesis of this from my end. You know, Leonard, uh, years ago, um, uh, my, it was, when, it was in, when Pokemon Go first came out. And I remember <laughs> hearing about Pokemon Go. I had read a little article about it, and I thought, oh, my kids would love this. This would be just the right thing for them. So I downloaded it on my phone, and I took it home. And um, I showed my kids. I'm like, this, look at this. Isn't this cool? You can catch a little Pokemon. There's actually a Pokemon in our living room. And they looked at me like that was the dumbest thing in the world. They're like, Dad, we would never play that. I kid you not. Ten seconds later, there was a knock on the door. And my youngest son, his little friend, was, was there. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And he had a phone in his hand. He's like, Seth. We just found the coolest thing. It's called Pokemon Go. Seth ran over. He grabbed my phone and went out the door. You know, and it, it's just if if knowledge was what made change happen, he would have already been out the door, or he would have been the one knocking on, you know, his his um, his friend's door to tell him about this new game. But for whatever reason, it didn't stick with me. But that slight change of it coming from a different voice that wasn't even. A, as well informed about the game as I was because I had read an article on it <laughs> really yeah. made the difference and, and caused that behavior change to take place. 
Well, in a case like that, Steve, we could even look at that and think maybe it's just some positive peer pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? But right now, here you and I are, and I believe it's like 9 million other people in the United States are currently unemployed, furloughed, out of work because of this whole virus situation. And so now is our chance to kind of dig in and assess, and hopefully our listeners will to dig in and assess as well. So areas of change in their lives and what causes us change. So let, let's kind of start at the top, Steve. And, and so far, I mean, we're, we're only on our first working day on furlough, but how has the virus impacted you and your household so far? Uh, any, any thoughts on that as far as any changes that you're seeing? Well, I think, I think the first thing that I would say is that we have been extremely fortunate to not have been impacted in, in the worst ways. Everybody in my household is healthy and, um, and we feel relatively safe. My, my wife uh, works in finance, and so she still is employed. Uh, she now works from home. Our bedroom now looks like Command Central because it had all of my monitors and computers and things. And then she had to bring hers home and all the monitors and, and computers. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's had an impact on my kids. Um, and probably in some ways that I'm really not as aware of um, from the perspective that at first it was like, it's time off of school. And I think now there's a little more of this feeling like maybe the world's not as stable as I mm, always yeah. imagined it to be. And so if, if there has been an impact in our household, it, it probably is more on that psychological side of things, having to stay in, um, not being able to go out to eat. <laughs> not that that was something we did all the time, but it was something that if, if something really good happened, we would go out and celebrate with that. And now... Um, and now we can't do that. Now, I feel like there's also been a few more, there's been some positives too. And, and I really hate to kind of say, look on the sunny side when, you know, we, we're not worrying about how to pay the mortgage right now. And many people are, we're not worried about our health at the moment. And many people are, but there has been some sunny sides for us. And that is that I've spent more time cooking. Uh, my daughter and I, uh, she has convinced me to be a vegan. I, I don't know how long I'll be able to stay on that wagon, but I now have learned how to make cashew cheese. Um, and it's created an opportunity for us to converse and really kind of spend some time and have some interactions that um, maybe in the past we, our busy lives didn't allow that to happen so much. Yeah. Well, and I can suspect, Steve, even just the circumstances themselves have made you, your family, at least subconscious, if not fully consciously aware of some of those precious things, those conversations and those interactions mm -hmm. that before maybe you and I took for granted just a little bit too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's very well said, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's the point of sometimes when, when that furlough hits from the perspective of something that makes you stop on your current trajectory. You know, like I even woke up this morning thinking, you know, what classes do I have to teach this week and what do I need to do to prepare for those? And, and, you know, it, and instead it was like, Oh wait, um, are my kids up? Have they had breakfast? Um, and those wouldn't have been the, um, the trajectory that I would have been on before. And so I hope that those are some things that don't change that, that I, I continue to have this frame of mind of saying, where are my kids at? What are they doing? Um, are they taken care of instead of what do I need or what does my employer need? Yeah. Yeah. No, well said, Steve. Yeah. I think in, from 
my own family's perspective, uh, I'm fortunate. I've got four generations living under my roof. Uh, so my son and my son-in-law are still employed. Uh, so I do have rental income from them coming in. So the initial fear as far as financial is not really there. But kind of what you said, just that whole fear of the unknown. You know, what is this virus? How is it circulating? What do I need to be aware of? So I probably was like most Americans, we kind of took it casual the first few weeks that it was growing and news was growing and talking about it. But here in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've got some friends in the the medical profession that have said, yeah, this is for real. You know, we've got a floor full of folks, hospitals filling up here locally. And so we've, we've self-quarantined prior to our governor stepping in in our state and making it official. So we've really only had this official uh, for just a matter of days here in Mississippi. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of given that, that sense of eeriness that there's this unknown, this presence, this darkness that's out there, if you will. And uh, so we've kind of taken that extra caution. And then the same thing as you, you know, we've actually had a couple more meals around the table together that we hadn't. Uh, We've shopped, God knows, way too much for groceries. Uh, But we've kind of, you know, that food we have now we sort of take as a little more precious because we just aren't going to run out the store and grab one simple item. And so we kind of, gee, wouldn't it be great to have this? (laughs) And we kind of crave these things that aren't there. Uh, So we kind of appreciate what we have. So it's really interesting in that regard. And like I tell folks, as far as the furlough of unemployment that we're talking about, uh, we'll know in a couple of weeks how freaked out I'm going to be about that. So (laughs) (laughs) when when the unemployment office gives me a a final um, (laughs) declaration on whether or not uh, I qualify, that that will have a a big impact on how, um, how much I panic as well. But for now, and I yeah. think that's an important thing sometimes is to recognize where are you right now? Because we can fret so much about where we are in the future. And with that said, I think it's also important to remember that there are people right now at this moment that, um, you know, our hearts go out to who sure. who are suffering at who don't get to say, you know what, I've never made a podcast before. Let's go ahead and do one. That <laughs> um, Instead, they're saying, where, where am I going to get my next meal? How am I going to help uh, feed my children? And, and I hope, you know, one of the things that I found has changed a lot in my life. I don't know if it does any good, but I'd never written a letter ever to a senator or a congressman. And, and, and now I, I write three a week, it seems like, <laughs> with yeah. you know, reminders and saying, these are things that I, I see that our community needs. And um, I, hope, I hope that you know, we all can kind of take a little more of that perspective as well and being proactive and not just thinking about what do we need in this moment, especially those of us that aren't in an immediate emergency um, and think about what, who are those people who are in that situation and what can we do? What food banks uh, still need peanut butter? <laughs> now, I, I know mm-hmm. peanut butter is a scarcity, but maybe you have three jars at home. And uh, one will probably get you through this. Uh, can you donate that to, to a food bank? Can you do, and maybe you can't. No, no judgment here, because none of us know what, what another person can or can't do. But it's at least worthy, I think, of having the thought. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I think you hit on the thing too. You know, as we think of this ongoing concept of being furloughed, as from the podcast perspective, Steve, it really is stopping and assessing where we're at. You know, change typically doesn't happen. Um, at least conscious change, let me say it that way, doesn't happen unless we stop and assess where we are. And so during this time, of course, you and I are assessing where we at. Uh, from a financial perspective, we laid out the bills, we looked at where everything was, what's paid off, what needs to be paid off, all those kind of things. But in other areas of our lives, I think in um, America especially, I think we get so rushed, so busy. It's a badge of honor to be busy. And so we don't stop and assess where we are. And to your point, as talking about the food, the pantries and the peanut butter and all that, <laughs> When we stop and assess where we are, I think we're better positioned to see where other people are. So it's not a self-centered type of a thing to assess where you're at, but it really, it's a wellness thing. It's a wellness check, you know? So how am I, how, where am I, how am I? And then let me look around and see how others around me are doing as well. And I think that's kind of critical. And then we can take proper steps. And so I hope as this podcast goes forward, and we move on, we'll dig into some of those other areas as well and those thoughts as well. Well, that really is an excellent point, especially, you know, we, we want to help. We want to be out there and, and do things that, uh, that help our fellow human beings. Uh, but you, you can't do that if you don't know what you have to give out. <laughs> and that comes from that self-assessment that, um, that you're referring to. Yeah. So Steve, let's, let's kind of shift a little bit then, because we know the direction we're heading as a podcast, and hopefully we've made that clear along the way, and we'll continue to pound that out each episode. But let's, let's help the audience get to know us a little bit better. So as they're driving along or as they're sitting around the, uh, the campfire with their families, maybe now, <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a little bit about you and I. So if I could, uh, let's start with you. Uh, so think about your own life and some defining moments that you've had and uh, just just share a couple of those with me or some some thoughts about some defining moments of where you've had as we're using that term furlough you've had some furlough moments in your own life and you've pivoted from those uh, so share, share one or two of those if you would Steve oh goodness you know I, I I think sometimes it's it's difficult to look back at your own life because it just seems like especially as I get further away from those defining moments they 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 move more into history and it's harder to see um, that it was actually a, a fork in the road or or um, a detour in the road from where I was originally headed um, you know, I think some quick ones that come to mind, of course, was deciding to get married and to have a family, you know, and, and even at the time of my life that I, I decided to do that. Um, I think uh, one of the uh, largest ones for me was was perhaps, and uh, as strange as it may seem, would be um, kind of my my changes in faith as I've, I've gone through. Uh, my life going from <laughs> raised as, as a as a really devout good Mormon boy I even went on a, a, a mission I so if, if any of you saw me annoying you knocking on your door I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't know it was dinner time well actually I probably did but that's when you, you, we could get somebody at home <laughs> um, going through that phase of my life going to through a, a point that I um, uh, 
really started questioning everything. And, uh, you know, currently I, I am a, a doubting atheist, you know, from the perspective that I doubt that I'm necessarily correct as an atheist, but, but it's, it's where I'm at at the moment. And, and I think, you know, if, if I think about those, those, you know, where was that moment? It's, it's hard to find, to find the starting point and the ending point. I think of some of these mm. big things because there's so many things that play into it. And, um, but sometimes if you look right at the center, you can see where the biggest change was taking place. And, um, and, and I remember specifically, uh, I, I, I had pretty much, um, completely lost my faith. And I was waking up almost every night about one in the morning. And I had this thought that just would come to my head and it was, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> that hadn't crossed my mind before, before I always believed I just, you know, transitioned on to this really cool ghost phase, you know, and, um, uh, and well, let's let's dig in a little bit there, Steve. So you you said that you'd gone on a mission. So yeah. did you did the doubting begin in during that time that you were on the mission as well, well or no, prior to? The contrary, um, during that yeah. time that I was out there, I, it became it became much stronger for me. And I think part of that is okay. because you know um, every part of my life at that point was regimented. Um, I would wake up at at six in the morning. I would read scriptures for about two hours um, or some sort of scripture study it wouldn't necessarily be I open the Bible and read from this point to this point. I might take it from a topical perspective to say, I just want to learn about faith today. And then I would look through indexes and, and look those up. But sometimes it was just, you know, plowing through. Then um, at, at that point, I'd head out on the street with my mission companion because we always did everything in twos. And, uh, sure. you know, we, we would sometimes have teaching appointments. Sometimes we wouldn't. And, uh, you know, we would, we would just stop people on the street and we'd, you know, it, it, I, when I came home, it was actually a little difficult because it was like, I'd forgotten how to have a conversation. I mean, you meet a cute girl and you want to talk to her. And the first thing you'd say is, hi, my name's Steve. Do you believe in God? <laughs> <laughs> so you were really wired and, and, and sort of plugged in that this is the program and this is what you do. Then. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's really, you know, and it didn't help my dating life. I had to learn um, other ways to speak to people <laughs> when I came home. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't yeah. until after I, my, my three kids were born and um, you know, it, it, uh, I, I had a, um, uh, an in-law who was having, um, some doubts. And, uh, I went over to try and rescue him and, um, <laughs> it, 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 it didn't lead to a rescue. It, it led more to, oh, that's, that's really some interesting points. Those are some ways that I haven't looked at life before. And it, it's interesting because I think in, from some perspectives, people would see it as I lost my faith. And, and I think a lot of people who are atheists like me, we don't really like that term because it defines us by what we don't believe, you know, like you wouldn't as a Christian yeah. say, I am a non-believer in Zeus. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it defines us by where you're not, but it is a challenge because there isn't necessarily um, a specific set of doctrines that, that, that define you. Uh, yet human beings need to have something. They need to have some sort of spiritual um, awareness whether or not that's rooted in something religious, um, 
Although sometimes I think that the thing is it really boils down to semantics, you know, that um, I left a bureaucracy, but I didn't necessarily leave a worldview. Um, mm. The importance of loving people and caring for people uh, that had really, what I had felt had been the base of my religious belief, uh, those, those did never go away. Um, maybe I, I, I had questions about the personality who was God, but the wonder of a universe that has so many possibilities in it, that didn't disappear. And maybe yes. grew with this with with these other perspectives that I could bring into it. So I'm really hearing you say it, it's almost as if your, uh, for lack of better words, core tenets or some of your core values are still definitely entrenched. But now you're just expressing it a different way rather than had it been the Mormon faith before. Now you're just doing it out of your own kindness, for lack of better words. Is that is that fair to say? I, I think that's correct. I think I, we, we, we might have broken up just a little bit as we went through. So I, I'm not sure I got every bit of it. But if you wouldn't mind just kind of repeating that, maybe even for our listeners, because I'm not sure that uh, the recording may have caught it as well. Sure. Yeah, Steve. So what I was saying, it sounds almost like in your journey that your, uh, for lack of better words, your core values have somewhat stayed the same, but the expression of those values has maybe shifted from rather, rather than expressing it through the Mormon faith, you're now expressing it uh, through the goodness of your heart per se, or for humanity's sake, rather than just for the sake of the calling of the faith that you had served before. Yeah, that yeah, that, that's a, I mean, I wouldn't have said it that way, because I wouldn't have thought of it that way <laughs> until you said it. But now that you say it, it's like, oh, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a, a huge amount of truth um, in that perspective. And I think um, some would say, and I know that um, even some people very close to me who it was really painful for them to see me transition away from something that they felt was kind of binding glue that kept us together you know, is like, well, if it's just a matter of semantics, can't we just stay? Can't we just, but I think sometimes those slight differences make all the difference, you know, for example, sure. and I think one of the things you said is, you know, that, that ability to look internally and, and uh, where in the past I would have felt like it's good to do good things because there's good rewards that come at the end. And I also felt that I couldn't gain that direction on what I needed to do myself if it conflicted with what the organization felt needed to happen. And so um, having that freedom to say, well, I can, I can now listen to that same organization and I can say, oh, I really agree with this point. I can get behind you. I could even support you on this point. But then they can bring up another thing and I'm not obligated to say, I support you. I'm behind you. I can I have that freedom to say I have a, a different opinion, and and I and it, and it's interesting how sometimes little things like the freedom to have a contrary opinion really kind of force the change because something that you, it was also you know not going into it too deeply was an incredibly painful time for me. It was you know if yeah. there was ever a time that I felt like I might have dealt with some emotional illness, it would have been during that transitional time. It was it was it was like. Uh, my own identity was just <laughs> being switched, yeah. turned upside down. And, and um, 
and I remember I had found this uh, website for other people who were, it's crazy because there are other people going through the same transition and they need someone to talk to. And uh, yeah. so I, on this website, someone wrote, the moment you leave is when the pain in staying becomes greater than the pain you experience in leaving. Uh, yeah, I've, I had a friend, Steve, that quoted the, that to me years ago, something similar to that. But I have probably in the last few years quoted that more than ever uh, because it, it really does make some sense when you think about it. Because all of us get into a comfort zone where we are. And I, I'd heard something the other day that talked about having a single frame of reference. You know, and so we all, we grew up in the environment we did, the surroundings we did. And oftentimes because of that, we have a frame of reference of our world of just a, looking through a single pane of glass, for example. And so all we can see is through that window that is before us. But yet what you're talking about now is you've gone beyond that window. You've changed your environment. You've changed your faith and, and made movements of making those changes. And when you do, that's separating you from that view that you had before. And you now have a, a differing view, although a lot of perspective could still be the same but you're also seeing some other things. And that's that sometimes is, um, most times, <laughs> is very uncomfortable for us because we all, I think, have a nature where we love security, we love comfort, and we love consistency and knowing what to expect. Very well said. You know, the, the comfort is, <laughs> you know, and I think in a lot of ways, it, you know, that's what we're looking for and is peace. You know, it's, it's even better than happy that if you um, are able to find peace. Let me jump in there and say something about that for just a moment. Because one of the things that I uh, am certified in is wellness recovery. And uh, I do a training that's, that's called Wellness Recovery Action Planning. And one of the stories that I use in that is uh, a story that I'd heard on NPR before. And what they did is they had taken a number of people that had physical ailments that they actually were in severe pain, be it a burn or an amputee or different things like that, and they were having pain. And what they did with those folks, they did a controlled test, and some of the folks, rather than medicate, they went and tapered off their medicine so that they could feel the full weight of the pain that they were experiencing. And one of the things that they found out in doing that after somebody embraces the fullness of the pain that they're suffering in and they just accept it as it is, kind of like you're talking about in your situation, they then no longer required as much medicine or sometimes didn't even require medicine because they had a tolerance for more pain than what they really recognized that they did. Where those that were not in the control group, they would medicate and continue to medicate and they would still suffer in pain. And so, so much of our pain, the, the, the story to this, <laughs> the summary of that is so much of our pain really ends up being our perception in our mental faculties. You know, so yes, it hurts, it's painful, it's agonizing, but it's your perception of how you receive that pain and your thoughts about that pain can oftentimes be more tormenting than what the pain itself can be. And I think as we talk about change, that's, I think, part of that inertia of change that we experience is, yeah, definitely the uncertainty of it. Uh, but then, too, there is 
a nuance of pain to all change in our lives because we're used to doing things one way. We're now required to do it a different way. You know, we know the neural pathways have been created in our brain to do it the way that we've gotten success before. So we continue to do it that way. And so we have to create a new pathway, which becomes difficult. Therefore, we perceive it as pain and creating that new neural pathway to change our behavior. So just some food. That is that is extremely interesting. Although, please don't share that study with my dentist. I I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to become one with my pain when I'm in that. How about how about he just takes it all away? <laughs> there you go. And I, I think also, you know, it's, it is interesting and it is important to recognize that, you know, as, as we talk about pain and talk about what we're feeling, we're talking about this from a, a regular common perspective and that for some people and especially those who, who suffer with um, any kind of emotional um, disorder or disease or, you know, um, mental illness. Uh, it, it, it's, it's important to recognize that the pain that, that, that they may be feeling is not change pain. Um, that's pain yes. that you need to get Perfect. help and you need to, um, you need to look at perhaps things like medication because that, that pain, um, is damaged pain. That that's not the pain you grow from. Like if I go to the gym and I work out till I have pain, that pain is going to make me stronger. But if I go out on the street and someone beats me up with baseball bats, that pain will not make me stronger. I need yeah. to get out of that situation as quickly as I possibly can because that is destructive pain, not not growing pain. Yeah. Well, and, and even think about it, Steve. In reality, pain is just our body's way of sounding the alarm. And so we now are on furlough. <laughs> Our our alarm has gone off, right? And so, you know, then we have to make the right decision uh, and prescribe the right decision for what that situation is. And that's that's what our body's trying to tell us. So absolutely, I'm not trying to, from a medicinal perspective or even mental health perspective, advise somebody, hey, just suck it up and endure the pain. (laughs) But there is an element... Yeah, there there is an element of just embracing it, and de- de- that definition of embracing doesn't mean giving up everything, but just uh, being aware of it and accepting it as it is, and mm-hmm. that type of thing. Well, it's interesting because I think even, uh, and this is maybe applying it to what's on everyone's mind right now with with the virus. You know, at some point, uh, we'll have to get to the point where we live with the virus until it's actually gone. You know, where we will, you know, as hopefully we flatten the curve there'll still come a point where we have to go back and uh, go to work and, and use personal protective equipment and wash our hands more um, that hopefully as it reduces down, that doesn't mean that we won't still be living with and embracing the reality that it's there because in, re- in embracing the reality that it's there, we become empowered to take action yes. against it. Well, and then it's educated action as well, right? Rather than just blindly or foolishly doing something, we now have an educated action that we can follow, or educated steps, perhaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Leonard, I, I'm curious, in your life, in your circumstances, what, what, what experiences have you had? What, where, where have been your biggest furlough moments that uh, have brought you to the point that you're at today? 
Yeah, gosh. Well, like you, Steve, I've got a lot of them that I can share. And uh, let me just share just a quick one in the interest of time for our listeners today. Um, when I graduated high school, I immediately went to college, got an associate's degree, and uh, I was going to be a chef. So I got a culinary arts degree. And this was before food TV. So anyways, way back. <laughs> Nonetheless, that's what I thought I was going to do. And during the course of time, I, I changed career. That's another story. We'll get into that another time. But while I was currently employed where I am now, the hotel company that I work for now, at one point, we got a new chief learning officer. In fact, it was the first time we had a global chief learning officer. So all of the learning functions were coming under one umbrella, we'll say. And as it, with any corporation, when you have a new leader come in, you have the opportunity to meet that new leader. And so each of us got scheduled a little 15-minute meeting to just share and get to know this person just a little bit on a personal level as they were uh, coming into the company and new to the company. And so I had my little 15 minutes and basically ran down my resume, who I was, what I'd done, and so on. And the individual looked at me, and th this is, of course, my memory of it. It may have happened slightly different, but my memory was they looked at me and they said, if you don't complete your degree, in other words, get a four-year college degree, you're never going to make it anywhere. And I, I, I was in shock in my own way, and I just kind of... I felt as though I looked around the office and said, where am I now if I'm not going to make it anywhere, right? Because this is a Fortune 500 company known throughout the world. Pretty dang good job here to have. But you're telling me I need to get this four-year degree. And we can talk later about my thoughts about college education. But let's just say it wasn't top of mind or something that I desired to do. I did the research. And sure enough, I found a program that I could do online relatively reasonable cost. And also it was an accelerated program. So rather than go for a full two years, I could within 11 months complete my bachelor's degree in adult education. And uh, so that's what I did. And it was all because of that one conversation. And that's really, you know, we'll, we'll pick that up and talk in a future podcast too about single conversations that are changed, that have changed our lives. And that's one that certainly changed mine. Uh, but nonetheless, I did go out, get my degree. And then of course, <laughs> interestingly enough, a few months after getting the degree, uh, the company did a reorganization and the job that I was in uh, was terminated. And so I had to have a college degree to apply to the next job that they replaced that terminated position with. And out of six of us, they kept three of us. And uh, so I, I, I made it through that. But had I not gotten that degree, I could have never continued to stay on with the company. And so it, it's interesting to see how these decisions can really pay off or sometimes they're detrimental maybe. Uh, but in this case, there was a payoff for it. So, well, you know, I feel Leonard, like uh, there could be a whole other training course or book, and maybe there already is, you know, called just in time conversations, you know, where we have, you, you know, that person or that conversation that happens just at the right moment. And I think even there's been so many times where I felt I was giving a just in time conversation, I was really helping someone and they've come back to me later and they said, you know, what you said really helped me. 
And I'm like, oh, really? And I dig deeper to find out what it was. And I'm like, oh, first off, I'm not sure I ever said that. <laughs> Second off, or, or maybe maybe that's not really what I meant by it. <laughs> but yeah. Well, this person denies he said you're never going to go anywhere. <laughs> but I swear that's what was said. That's what was said. Exactly. But either way, you know, there was something in your brain that was receptive at that moment for some kind of um, helpful nudge forward in the right direction. All right, it looks like we're coming right up to the very end of our time. And uh, I would like to say first off, and I know Leonard, you feel the exact same way. If you are hearing the sound of my voice at this point, you are either my mother or my father, and you have to listen <laughs> Yay! to this. And, Yay, mom! <laughs> in which case, thanks mom, thanks dad. Um, <laughs> stay safe, wash your hands, tell us if you need anything from the store, we'll go get it for you. Um, <laughs> But if if you're outside of that immediate group, then an even bigger thank you for listening to this entire podcast. We really enjoyed um, having an opportunity to kind of share our thoughts, and hopefully there was something that you found interesting in there. I'm going to pass it over to you, Leonard, to tell everyone a little bit about um, our sponsor, and then we will end up for the rest of the day. All right. Thank you, Steve. Yes, we will mention our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Upwards Unlimited. Upwards Unlimited helps individuals and companies with conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. So if you're interested in that, that's Upwards Unlimited. That's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. So be sure and check them out and tell them you heard about them from us. And so with that, we'll say goodbye. So thanks, Steve. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next week.